Hello there, and greetings to you. Welcome to Duel of the Takes, the movie and pop culture podcast that pins the wildest, most unpopular opinions head-to-head. On this week's episode, we are ranking the Fast and the Furious franchise from best to worst. My name's Nathaniel Martin, and I am joined by my regular co-hosts, Joshua Kubis and Alden Mason. Hello everyone, welcome back to Duel of the Takes. Today we are doing a topic that is honestly so miserable, one of our co-hosts left the show permanently. (laughs) Uh, We are doing the Fast and the Furious filmography ranked. This is interesting. Uh, One... This is like the one of the longest going movie franchises that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. And also it's uh it's one that has like evolved and changed quite a bit. Uh and none of them are good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll discuss later, but I think one of them's good. I think there's a I think there's a handful that are that are very very entertaining to say the least. I understand the audience and I understand the appeal of them. Yeah, absolutely. For most of them. These movies have made a lot of fucking money. Yeah. yeah. And uh, they're going to continue to do so. Uh, We've got Fast 9 coming out. I believe this will come out, this episode of ours will come out, I think, the same day as the uh, Fast 9. So that's not on our list uh, this time around, but... We can put it on there. Maybe next year we'll revisit. Maybe when we rank John Cena movies. Yeah. We could just put Fast 9 on our list based on the trailer. Uh, I mean, I feel like I did see the entire movie in that most recent trailer. I I know where I would put it if we did that. Okay, well, we can... uh... We can get there when we get there. How's that sound? Awesome. For today's, the sake of uh, arguing, we're going to have a veto each. All three of us get one veto, and we are allowed to use them until the top three. I think this will be a uh, pretty fair way to balance out our lists and make sure we come to a unanimous decision on the uh, top nine Fast and the Furious films as of recording on today's 69 day, June 9th. Wow. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Nice. Uh, Josh, how about you go first? What is the uh, worst Fast and the Furious movie? I'm going to give it to Fast and Furious, not to be confused with The Fast and the Furious. This is the fourth entry. Um, Right after uh, doing, I guess, a spinoff in Tokyo Drift, they went back to the drawing board, brought back... um, the old cast. I think this was supposed to like rejuvenate the franchise, but I think the movie that came out after this one did the actually rejuvenate the franchise. This really did nothing for me, and I just think it's the most forgettable one. I don't know if it's the most forgettable one. I think there's quite a few that are kind of forgettable, especially as time goes on. I think some of the more recent entries are going to kind of get lost to time, but I do have this movie pretty low as well, so there's not really a reason to use a veto. I think you're totally right. I think this movie was supposed to be a way to like bring it back in terms of, hey, we did our first movie, And then we lost, like, the co-star of that first movie in the second movie. And then we don't have almost anyone in the cast in the third. It was just, like, this is really the one that feels the most, like, Fast and the Furious 2, as dumb as that sounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a weird movie because, I agree, it, it doesn't completely reinvent itself. It just does it again. I think the movie that you're hinting at totally changes the momentum of this franchise absolutely yeah i mean i could see this at the bottom i have i have two that are lower personally what do you think alden i have one that is lower but i don't think it matters (laughs) yeah i don't know 
it just this movie feels so nothing to me where i feel like i have more to say literally about any other movie on this list no i do agree with that the short film that connects to this one it was on the dvd uh growing up i think it's called like los banderos or something like that weird it's about vin diesel and uh Michelle Rodriguez's characters before they get connected into the Fast and the Furious world, like their lives in, I think, the Dominican Republic before they move to L.A. or whatever. It's pretty wild. I mean, you definitely buy their relationship a whole lot more. I wish it was just part of the movie, in all honesty, because it'd be my favorite part of the movie. Interesting. It was like a 20-minute short. Uh, Vin Diesel's character, Dominic. The backstories of him sound way more interesting than whatever the character is always doing in the movies. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it sounds like Fast and Furious, number nine. <laughs> Alden, what do you have it as your lowest film that is yet to be discussed or number eight? Fast eight. I agree. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's one spot higher for me. So we're all in the same ballpark here. <laughs> all right. Why is the fate and the furious this low for you, Alden? Man, can we mention that this film series has some of the worst titles in like film history? The worst title. If, if we're just ranking these by title, we're off on the right track right now. Fast and Furious is the worst possible name for the fourth name in a fucking franchise called the Fast and the Furious. <laughs> yeah, too fast, too furious. It's pretty hilarious hilarious that'd be number one if we're going by title <laughs> yeah these titles are fucking horrible it's weird because like with fast five they didn't just call it fast and the furious five like that works and then like fast and the furious six is not the fast and the furious six it's just fast and furious six so really shouldn't that just be fast and furious two like, <laughs> it's it's so fucking confusing and then furious seven is just furious seven not fast and furious seven it's it's all over the place and the new one i think is just called fast nine right yeah i have no idea <laughs> the fate of the furious could be one of the worst titles they call it f8 but it also is just spelled out as the fate of the furious. It's it's a mess. Uh, why don't you like this one? Uh, well, I haven't seen it. Gotcha. But it doesn't have Paul Walker. True. For for reasons. I think it's one of its uh, redeeming qualities is uh, Charlize Theron is in it. But I don't care. So it still sucks. Isn't she like in the last three? She's in the Fate of the Furious. She's in Hobbs and Shaw briefly, and then she'll show up again in Fast Nine. She's in the trailer, so there's no no surprise there. Damn, she's the she's the Thanos of this franchise. <laughs> I think the way they use Charlize Theron in this movie as Cipher is just like kind of a waste. Like Charlize Theron's one of my favorite actresses working today. She's also like an incredible like action star so i don't know why they just have her like sitting behind a computer and being like ultimate super hacker terrible like villain like there's a couple scenes where she's like real intimidating and stuff like she straight up kills like pretty like significant supporting character just shooting her point blank in the face yeah probably the best scene in the movie but yeah no i just feel like you know you can have your dwayne the rock johnson's and your jason statham's and all these people in the movie but don't bring in a-listers don't bring in academy award-winning actresses into this i have the same problem in furious six or fast and the furious six or whatever the hell it's called when they bring in kurt russell it's like leave the a-listers out of here and just have fun with your 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 b team in my opinion i i don't know i think it really detracts from the tone as having someone who is as good at acting as charlize theron just be the be the heavy in this movie it's tough because it i think it depends what you defined as a-listers too in hollywood because i mean you have the rock in these movies who 
is I mean he's the he was the highest paid actor like this past the past decade, um, and a lot had to do with him uh, coming into this franchise. Um, yeah, it yeah that's true. But Charlize Theron also has that action star side with being in Mad Max and that. So I I get I get what they were. I get what they were going for. If she had just come out of Mad Max, this is like, what, two years after? So she just had Mad Max, and then they waste her in this movie? Maybe it's like a slow build-up, I guess in a pro wrestling sense. Maybe Charlize Theron's like the main event, like, uh, heel going into Fast and Furious 10. God. It looks like she's once again, like, the villain that's putting to that's putting things together in the new one because you see in the trailer that she's like setting up john cena's character to go after uh dom so maybe for the 10th movie they're setting up a big action thing with her i don't know i just don't personally like the way that this movie decides to continue like uh after paul walker's like passing and i think the way that they kind of like acknowledge that in a soft way in in universe with furious 7 is like really wholesome where it's like oh you know he's he's going off now he's done he's leaving this life whatever you know like it, it works but then in this one it's all about the marketing it's all about family it's all like it's trying to shove like the importance and like retug at the heartstrings that furious 7 is able to do because of an actor's passing in the the film of the next movie that is eight movies deep into a franchise that's just a ripoff of Point Break. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's very manipulative and I don't like it. I did not enjoy watching The Fate of the Furious in theaters. It's the first one of these movies that I was like, it's just way too freaking long. Yeah. These movies get longer and longer every time now. Yeah. And they get a higher and higher budget every time too. And like the part where they're racing through like the Arctic tundra and there's like cars and missiles exploding on ice. It's like, <laughs> it's getting wild. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I like, I like a little bit of bombasticness. I like a little bit of cheese, but I think as you guys see, uh, a lot of the newer ones are pretty low on my list yeah so number eight f8 the fate of the furious damn what's what uh what's what our list in the number eight we always have to connect the title to it like hateful eight <laughs> yeah hateful eight did get number eight <laughs> i think there was something last week i can't remember it wasn't our main list it was someone's list they had seven and seven and nobody mentioned it that would have been ben shout outs to ben <clears throat> shout outs to ben it's my turn at number seven I had Fast and Furious here, but that's already placed at nine. And then I had Fate of, uh, Fate of the Furious at my lowest spot at nine. So the only movie in my bottom three that I've yet to discuss is Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, For a spinoff, I think it's better than it could have been. I had a lot of fun watching this movie for the most part, but again... Why is this movie over two hours long? Why is this movie two hours and 20 minutes long? It does not need to be that long. I like that it's exaggerated and it's as, as stupid as it gets. It's pretty much like it's it's straight up a superhero movie at this point. Like I, I'm cool with that. <laughs> the banter between Hobbs and Shaw is cool. Like it also doesn't work that well because without Vin Diesel, like Luke Hobbs is not really bouncing off of anyone. It's kind of just like him and uh, Jason Statham, like pissing each other off over and over again. Idris Elba as the villain, as Black Superman, is just wild. He's just got like high tech, like, you know, gear and is able to like slow down time and read punches and stuff. But this movie has very little to do with cars. <laughs> like, it's barely a Fast and the Furious movie. Super spy 
action movie blow them up type shit i think the only like parts with cars is jason statham's like mclaren and then the the shop in samoa that's it i do like that we get helen mirren as uh jason statham's mom that shit was funny yeah (laughs) i forgot about that (laughs) no i feel like this was like a good little like action comedy but it it doesn't connect to too much it's just two supporting characters getting their own spinoff which is fine but uh i mean it, it didn't connect to any of like an overarching story or any a major emotional beats it just has a lot of fun and i i just didn't think that its action sequences were worth like going back to like i'll watch this movie once and never watch it again it's fine i wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to this but it's not like there's nothing about it that's unique we're getting a sequel in like 2022 i just uh Red. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to see a lot more Fast and the Furious sequels now that they said definitively that the 10th Fast and the Furious movie is the last one of the main series. Yeah, because I heard initially they wanted to make like 12. I think Vin Diesel's kind of getting tired of being in these, though, believe it or not. So I have Hobbs and Shaw like a place higher. I also have it a place higher. We have the same movie that might be lower than Hobbs and Shaw Alton. Was it playing on a TV that was way too close to the ground two hours before I threw up? <laughs> It might have been. It might have been. (laughs) Okay, then we have the same movie. All right. Do you want to use yours? I don't care enough. So yeah, I'm going to veto that and I'm going to put Fast 6 here. There it is. All right. So Fast and the Furious 6 versus Hobbs and Shaw. Why is Fast and Furious 6 not good? Well, I obviously have a bad experience on my most recent watch, but it's very forgettable. It came out right after Fast 5, which was a huge hit for both fans of the series and it brought in new fans and this one i think just lands in the forgettable tier for me where it's like this is one of those i just forget it exists you know it's still it still has like the the great ensemble cast that fast five had but it just felt like something was missing or like it just didn't feel the same and i think this was the start of where the franchise is now where it's like so ridiculous where it's to a point where you like roll your eyes and i think this was around the start of it they had the tank on the bridge yeah hobbs and shaw like it i'm gonna use this word very like not like i'm gonna use the word unique but in a sense where like at least the climax of hobbs and hobbs and shaw like the rock used like um instead it was on a samoan island uh he brought in some of his family members onto the set like wwe wrestler roman reigns and it just at least the set pieces were a little more unique and i thought it was cool it felt like a memorable fast and furious climax where I just don't get that with Fast and Furious 6. I don't know. I think Fast and the Furious 6 was a good follow-up to 5, personally. I don't have it too much higher, but if I'm comparing this against Hobbs and Shaw, like, sure, I I do think, like, incorporating The Rock, who kind of saved this franchise, more or less, at least the movie that he shows up in saves this franchise. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't think having two supporting characters compares to having this whole family that makes the franchise so important and so unique or whatever and that's what they shill in the marketing i think furious 6 is kind of cool because they're able to move from the epic action movie that is fast and the furious 5 and then kind of scale it back just a step 
it's still a dumb action movie, very much so, but you still have that ensemble cast. I think a couple of the deaths in this movie are pretty impactful, not in the same way that Paul Walker's leaving of the family was instead of, like, you know, his real-life death. I mean, Gal Gadot dying in this movie, sacrificing herself to save What's-Her-Face is pretty pretty epic. The only thing I don't really like about this one is Letty's, like, memory being wiped and now she's like evil for a little bit like that part's kind of cheesy yeah i definitely don't like that the whole lost memories arc in action movies is always really cringe fate of the furious where vin diesel's character turned evil dom turned evil he was pretending to be a double agent because he was trying to stop cypher by himself without getting everyone involved and then yeah he kind of got his mind wiped briefly too it was it was a mess (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad i haven't seen it (laughs) Uh, since two of you feel the same way i'm losing the majority vote here and hobson shaw gets to fight another day we have fast and furious Number six at number seven. Oh, I misspelled Furious again. How am I misspelling Furious? I've seen too many of these movies. I've lost my ability to type and read. Well, Josh, it goes here, right? Uh, yeah, I have Hobson shot at number six. So do I. <laughs> I just couldn't put this movie in my top five. I'm surprised to see going into the top five, we have all three original movies still standing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you could tell we're uh zoomers i mean if anything we read more like millennials the fact that we so fondly remember the first three but i'm all for it i think hobbs and shaw belongs outside the top five again i think for a spinoff or i guess the first official spinoff of these movies it's fine but it doesn't feel like a fast and the furious movie it feels like we wanted the rock jason statham to team up and fight idris elba and the context and the story around that really didn't matter at all is jason statham now like an action household name like wrath of man like just came out and like a lot of people are actually like seeing that movie jason statham has been an an action hero staple since the first crank movie if not longer i don't know why you're saying he's a new action star he shows up in the expendables movies as a washed up action hero like everyone else (laughs) but i meant like to like a tier of like people are like oh i'm going for like jason statham yeah no that's been a thing for a while to feel people feel that strongly yeah i think so i guess uh i don't i guess i missed the statham hype have you seen the two crank movies no i haven't actually dude i think they're i think they're a lot of fun uh any guy Ritchie movie with with jason statham and it rocks but crank is it's wild it's about a dude whose like heart will explode if he doesn't maintain a constant state of adrenaline so (laughs) and he's like trying to stop the people who like like gave him this curse it's it's insane he's like just jumping out of planes into like fight scenes it's it's nuts it's it's one of my favorite just dumb action movies like on the same tier of these fast and the furious movies it's a lot of fun Jason Statham rocks. Yeah, I like Jason Statham. I just, like, I didn't know, like, how much of, like, like he has such a big following. I guess I just realized how much of a big following he's actually had over the years. All right. Um, I think it's Alden's turn. Uh, Alden, what is the lowest in your top five of Fast and the Furious films? My number five is Too Fast, Too Furious. Wow. Based. I agree. Yeah, I have Too Fast, Too Furious at my number five it could be number five it's uh yeah i like too fast too furious even like without like the whole like ensemble fast and furious cast that like we know now the title alone great i guess what i like about fast five too fast too furious kind of builds of what i like about fast five is where they bring in like 
these entertaining characters and like they expand on it they take two and three that maybe were disappointing in some fans eyes because it didn't have vin diesel or like most some of the iconic characters but then they build on that where it all comes to like fast five where um you have tyrese gibson in it you have um the guy from tokyo drift in it i'm forgetting his name han yes he eats the chips and stuff (laughs) i think i just have a I have a soft spot for Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah, I like Too Fast, Too Furious a lot more than most other people, too. Uh, in doing research for this episode, I rewatched um, Fast and the Furious 6. I rewatched Tokyo Drift. And I skimmed through some of the other ones I could find easily. Oh, I watched Furious 7 again as well. <clears throat> I went back and watched like highlights from Too Fast, Too Furious, because I remember really liking this one. The newest notable thing for me is the setting change. Uh, I really like that it takes place in Miami. I think that's like a cool, yeah. a cool reboot. I like the way the the style of like the filmography changes too, from like that that LA vibe with the first one to very much a Miami kind of like it's a lot more like uh like wider shots you see a lot more environment um a lot more sky in the car scenes it's still very cheesy this might be the like the most like uh, like not self-aware but like the most just blatantly like we think this is cool like out of all of them yeah (laughs) it's very self-indulgent but uh i I dig this one a lot i'm glad too fast too furious made it this far though because i think is it's the most underrated one i think it's the most fun to just like have on in the background uh paul walker is horrible in this movie like i know he's 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 charming he's good but like bro the scene where he walks out of jail next to tyrese gibson and it's like you feel me car it's like bro the like the low angle close up on him it's it's the it's one of the cheesiest cheesiest dialogue scenes in any movie um i do really like the way the story unfolds though the twist where like you know you you assumed that paul walker has gone from you know agent into full-blown criminal by the end of the first movie all that they're they're working as drug smugglers for this like bigger guy and then when it's revealed that they were double crossing the guy that they were working for as agents again it's epic like i i really 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 like the ending of this movie too fast too furious is is kind of kino like in the weirdest way (laughs) even like uh growing up i i always liked paul i kind of had a soft spot for paul walker as an actor because of that first fast and furious movie he had that like green car i i always wanted to have a green car and then my first car ended up being a green car i don't know why i like always gravitated towards that character and car but that's what i always think of when i think of paul walker yeah it's a cool car it's uh horrible uh what happened to him it's we talked about how this like you mentioned that it was like a rip off of point break it very much makes sense i think paul walker was like the keanu reeves of the 2000s yeah i, th- I think so to a certain degree i mean i think this is very much his like staple franchise like it's cool when he shows up in other things but i don't think anything else was as, as big for him like i i think he's he's serviceable and fine and like pleasantville and she's all that but he's not in he's not like the main character we kind of forget with the john wick movies now like pre-john wick keanu i mean his biggest franchise was the matrix and i think paul walker's fast and furious franchise is kind of similar where the first one's iconic the other two uh people aren't the biggest fans of um their careers were pretty similar and uh it's kind of a shame uh it it is like really it it really sucks because i think 
Paul Walker could have free a resurgence similar to what Keanu Reeves had with uh, John Wick, and I think it would have been cool to see. Keanu Reeves also had Speed. He also had the Bill and Ted's movies. I mean... Yeah, yeah, that's true. But no, I I think you're right. I think uh, Paul Walker definitely would have continued making extremely financially viable movies uh, had he not passed away so unfortunately but we do have uh at number five too fast too furious it's my turn to play some movie in the last spot before vetoes are null so i have a hot take inbound Uh oh i think i don't know how you guys feel about this furious seven here at number four i'm not upset with that it's only one place higher for me so are we still using vetoes or are we just all debating now? this is the last spot for him yeah you and me both have one i'll use I'll, I'll use my veto in lieu of furious 7 where are you trying to place it for so i have tokyo drift lower but i feel like that's just not gonna win the debate i have two movies lower in furious 7 i'm gonna be bold and say the original i agree i'm okay with that too the problem i have with the original is that it is a ripoff of one of my favorite movies of all time in Point Break, if not my favorite movie of all time. Right off the bat, that's kind of tough for me to have it. Like, it's my number three. Uh, it's hard for me to elevate it as like a one or two because of that. I uh, I see what you're saying. I definitely think it is the least original out of all of these movies. As weird as that may sound, it being the first in this. It's formulaic. I, I get that. Very lovely franchise. Um. Yeah, I mean, it really is just an early 2000s remake of one of the best action movies of the 90s. So it's it's a little hard to see it happen, but I do think what this movie does right. I mean, introducing the world to a dual lead, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, I think it's better than introducing the world to Keanu Reeves and to uh, uh, Patrick Swayze. I think it does that. I think it does that honestly better. Vin Diesel was huge right after this movie. So huge. He didn't even return for its sequels. Like the next two movies, or I guess really the next movie he didn't even show up for. I think that's wild how this movie elevates its two stars. In contrast to that, I do think Furious 7 is a little weaker than the original simply because it's very similar to Fast and the Furious 6 in terms of it's trying to ride off the coattails of Fast 5 and what that did right. Do I think it leans into the campiness a little bit more and has more fun with it? Absolutely. But it's still just as dumb. Dwayne The Rock Johnson literally flexes out of a full arm cast. (laughs) (laughs) And also, can we talk about the, the... skyscraper to skyscraper jump inside of a car yeah. <laughs> like, the fast and the furious movies really jumped the shark with seven in my opinion and i think the reason why the ones that have come after that have fallen so low is i really think they would have been smart to just end it at furious seven yeah i think it was just the perfect way to end it was with the see you again with charlie puth and with Wiz, Wiz khalifa goodbye song yeah that's why i kind of want to elevate it too because it it um for a movie that is ridiculous for a franchise that has like these ridiculous moments in that it was still able to pay a great tribute and respect to a man that's been a part of this franchise since the beginning this movie also made yeah bank i think it's their still their most successful movie and i think a part of that is because a lot of people were curious because there was a lot of backstage rumors of uh, that they were using Paul Walker's brothers and were they going to CGI him and how are and people I think also want to know how are they going to pay tribute because uh, there was definitely a lot of fans of his. So I think there were a lot of fans of the original movie who may have not seen anything else and wanted to see Furious 7. I, I think just for that alone, like Fast Five definitely rejuvenated the franchise, but 
Furious 7 um, also gave it the... It gave it a good send-off, even though they kept making more. Yeah. It gave it recognition that there is a fan base for it that not only cares about the stupid action, but actually cares about the actors in it. And um, yeah, so I think that's why I I want to elevate it. My last kind of point to to save the original and to try to elevate it into the top three, I don't know how this is going to win people over. When I think of like early 2000s cinema, I mean like the Austin Powers sequels and Fast and the Furious are like the first things that come to mind just in terms of like where Hollywood was at at that moment. Like 2001, I don't think you could give a better time capsule than the, Fast and the first Fast and the Furious movie. I mean, it is as cheesy as it gets the soundtrack the cinematography the fashion especially at the turn of the millennium this is what fashion looked like in los angeles and it's cheesy as fuck like it's it's really wild i i don't know that's kind of like my last point is like furious 7 it, it's gonna blend in down the line with the same era of movies as fast five through where we're at now with Hobbs and Shaw like I, I think stylistically those movies very feel very similar the original Fast and the Furious to me is is stylized and it has that that touch of early 2000s charm that I don't think you'll find with eh, too many more of these movies or any other film for that matter was the Fast and the Furious the 2000s white men can't jump maybe when it came to their style <laughs> <laughs> maybe well, Alden, it's up to you. Oh, between the original and seven? I think the original should go below seven. So you think the Fast and the Furious should go at number four? Yeah. Damn. I didn't think I that was going to work. Sweet. So that means our top three in no particular order is Furious 7, Fast 5, and uh, Tokyo Drift, I think. Yeah. Uh, Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift. So uh, vetoes are null. I didn't get to use mine this time around, unfortunately. But that's okay. I didn't need to. What do you guys think is the weakest one left? Josh, I think you mentioned you have Tokyo Drift lower than the top three. Um, I have Furious 7 out of my top three. Alden, is there anything that's, that is in here that has not been placed yet for you? Uh, no, I'm good. This is one of my closest lists yet. Okay. Is this your top three, Alden? Like, are all these movies in your top three? Yeah, 7, Tokyo Drift, and 5. All my top three. Damn. Not in that order. <laughs> I lied. It's in that order. <laughs> Okay, anyway, what do you guys think belongs here at number three? For me, it's got to be Furious 7. I think it's 7 too. Yeah, I mean, I have Tokyo Drift lower, but um, honestly, I can't really fight it. I agree. I do agree. Uh, Furious 7 still has that ridiculous stuff where it could kind of jump the shark, and um, the movie itself is not as strong as a Fast Five. Yeah, I. Uh, this is the only one i've seen in theaters yeah i haven't seen any of the other fast movies but i saw seven and i probably won't see nine in theaters so i'll keep it this way yeah i do like furious seven quite a bit i uh don't mean to be a naysayer to it i think that it is probably i mean it deserves its spot here in the top three it really does at the very least top five i think what it does for the franchise is really great and like i said i think it would have been a great like stopping point yeah if it didn't make as much money as it did and it made along the same amount of money as like fast and the furious 6 i think it probably would have been the ending point but the real life passing of paul walker i think really elevated this movie i mean the song see you again was the most popular song of that summer mm -hmm. yeah uh, it was it was simply unavoidable in in 2015 so i i mean i think this movie has a lot of charm for sure 
Um, I do like its cheesy over-the-top moments. I mean, it, it really jumps the shark in a way that is keeping me entertained through what I think is one of the longest movies, if I'm not mistaken. I know it's over two hours, but this is when the movies just straight up became superhero films. Is this the one where The Rock actually rocked bottom somebody into a table? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was epic. <laughs> I also think that uh, Jason Statham as the villain in this one, right? Yeah, because in 8, both him and The Rock, I think, are in prison or something. Jason Statham does a good job of, of being the villain of this movie. And, uh, I mean, it's it simply, this one feels like the last one where it's the family versus, you know, one one villain, one bad guy that's out to get them. Uh, it, it really, it, it works well in that regard. How many times have we said this, but it is a really good conclusion for paul walker's character absolutely yeah even the whole like music video around it i mean uh, when you first when you first see it it's hard to have a dry eye yeah especially if you grew up watching these movies like i reckon so many people that went and saw this in theaters did uh it, i mean it, it definitely was like a an emotional beat and i like how they don't ex it's not exploitive mm -hmm. with what happened with the star wars sequel trilogy i really wish i mean obviously i don't need a pop song and a music video for carrie fisher's passing <laughs> <laughs> i wish other franchises would take note of how well they handled this material and how they shape the ending of the movie to adjust to a, an unfortunate real life circumstance for a film series that is this bombastic and this stupid and gets a lot of shit for just being like transformers movies for cars guys no nah, i mean that that was seriously an effective way to end that character's arc yeah yeah so take note take note to who just in general uh just about anyone who's making a movie where you have an actor that is very old or near death for any reason. Kathleen Kennedy, <coughs> Indiana Jones 5. I'm hoping Harrison Ford is okay. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's set photo of them. Like, it's kind of sad because, like, no Spielberg or George Lucas, and it's like, what are we doing? Why are we here? I, I think, I don't, I wonder how the press circuit's gonna go for that film. I, I really do. I wonder if Harrison Ford's gonna be in, like, I don't give a fuck mode for that entire press circuit. I, with it being, I think it's the 40th anniversary of Raiders of the Lost Ark, I feel like half of the marketing is just going to be talking about how great, like, Raiders was, and they're going to they're gonna use this movie to be like, oh, we're celebrating the legacy of Indiana Jones or some something like that. Yeah, but the more I think about it, like, James Mangold's a fine selection to carry on that torch. I mean, it's a shame that no one else is associated with it from the original movies, or even Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, for that matter, but... I mean, James Mangold's made pretty great movies. That's true. I hope it's good. I hope it's at least the fourth best one. <laughs> those are those are kind of high hopes. <laughs> <laughs> those are those are pretty high hopes. I mean, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a lot of fun. I was about to say, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull might be secret Kino, but that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> Kingdom of the Crystal Skull commentary track when? <laughs> it's about to get bloody. It's gonna be a bloodbath here. <laughs> Fast Five versus Tokyo Drift for the one and two spot. I have some real strong opinions on this one. <laughs> yeah, I think Tokyo Drift should win. I knew this was coming. I don't know. It, I'm going to let Josh speak. I don't, I don't know how strongly I feel about these two in comparison to each other. I mean, what can you say about Fast Five that hasn't been said already? One, it reinvented a very stale franchise. Yeah, uh, totally. It shifted these movies from being about street racing and being about macho dudes who drive fast cars 
to being just straight up an action movie franchise, borderline a superhero franchise. <laughs> and it's honestly, I think I, I think the, the Bill Simmons take we were discussing the other day in our group chat of Fast Five being one of the best action movies of the 2010s in the same way that Commando is one of the best action movies of the 80s. I think that that's a very true statement. I think in terms of its set pieces, seeing where they're driving through Rio with the fucking safe anchored <laughs> to the back of their car is actually really really like it's a well choreographed a well blocked like action sequence it's 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 kino it really is and it's like well written too like uh, spoiler alert uh when the <laughs> when, at the end when uh when it's revealed that there were two different safes i literally went like oh yeah like how because when he opened the safe and i'm like i knew it's empty but i'm like how the fuck did they do that and then i remembered like they had two different safes and i'm like okay this was actually like a well put together like script structurally uh sound uh like action sequence it wasn't just mindless they had a goal here. The The script in general is honestly quite strong compared to the other ones in this franchise. Uh, the whole, yeah. they're getting back together for like one last job to kind of get, get themselves free to get their names cleared by the government. It's a cool like idea. It's a cool set piece in the same way. It, it kind of reminds me of like a Western in terms of like, hey, we've got this like gang of criminals who have a, an ability to redeem themselves and then live happily ever after. And that's kind of like what this is. In a way, it's kind of like a suicide squad moment. You know, all these people that have have broken the law that are coming together and they're pulling off one heist and clearing their names. Like, it's, it's, it's a good setup, especially being five movies deep into a franchise. Definitely got to talk about this. Once The Rock, like, steps in this movie, like, right off the bat, it's like, holy shit, <laughs> this is... <laughs> The Rock is awesome in this movie. Yeah, he really is. Besides Pain and Gain, this might be his best performance. When when he uh when he drives in and like crashes into Dom's like iconic car and he has some kind of like one liner, it's like this is just fun. And I I like the ending too, where he's like, you know, I'll give you guys a five minute head start. (laughs) It's very much like the ending of Curse of the Black Pearl, where Norrington's like, oh, I'll give you guys a five minute head start. (laughs) It's like, it's, it's very funny. Yeah, that whole fight sequence between Vin Diesel and The Rock is like, it feels like, um, like they're going through walls. Like it's like the Batman versus Superman fight. Like it feels like two superheroes like going at it. Like it is a little over the top, but it's so fun. It's just exactly what the franchise needed at that point. And like kind of what that decade needed. Like the 80s like had like your big like Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies. And um, we kind of lost that in the 90s and the 2000s. And um, having The Rock become this big star from fast five and he was kind of known as the guy who would bring back these franchises he was in the gi joe movie after that and people really like that one and um he does all he's in jumanji like it's just cool to have a big action star in hollywood again that people are actually going to the movies for that person like in a huge like blockbuster type way because i really don't think we've seen that since like arnold schwarzenegger since the 80s yeah, I, I agree. I think that this movie not only saved the franchise, but I think it launched the the Rock into superstardom in terms of going from, uh, you know, I mean, he was in like you know Scorpion King and the Doom movie, but he was doing schlock. He was doing B movies. He was just, you know, he was a name because of WWE. 
and uh, they were like, oh, we can turn him into a movie star. This was the first one, I think, to really, like, sell that, I think. I, I think so, too. In terms of, hey, you can put this guy in an action movie, you can put this guy in a leading, or, like, a supporting role in a major blockbuster, and, and he can deliver. I wish he said, shut up, bitch, in this movie, though. It's coming. Dude, I wish. He got he got to say fuck in it, though. True. Uh, Yeah, I think he says shut the fuck up to somebody or something. It's it's great. He pretty much does wrestling. They Hollywood figured out what to do with The Rock, where they're like, uh, no, let's not treat, like, uh... He's a wrestler, like, doing acting. Let's incorporate what he has done in wrestling into acting. Let's have him do these, like, trash talk, WWE-style promos in his monologue. And just, I'm sure some of that was ad-lib. Because, I mean, in wrestling, the dude was great at ad-libbing and just saying whatever. Directors kind of figured out that you just gotta let The Rock do his thing for some scenes. So, time for my counterpoint here. I think that the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift is the best film in the Fast and the Furious franchise um, because it's the only one that really delivers the what we were promised with the first movie, with the, the idea of, oh, this is a movie about crime. It's about interwoven, backstabbing, uh, you know, gangs versus the law. And most importantly, it's about street racing. And this is the only one of those movies that actually delivers on that premise for me. I think the the concept of this this Tokyo style drift racing is way cooler than the LA and Miami street racing scenes we see in the first two movies. The soundtrack for this movie is the best one out of all nine <laughs> by a landslide. It's not even really close. Uh, the, 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 the techno score is, is insane. Um, the acting across the board is surprisingly good. It's obviously not like Lucas Black is no Paul Walker, you know, uh, <laughs> Kang who plays uh, Han, Han Lu, uh, is fine. They're, I'm glad they keep him around in the later Fast and the Furious movies to kind of establish his his presence and have him walk in a room eating a bag of potato chips. It's cool. <laughs> this is a better Han standalone movie than Solo, a Star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> so this should have been called Han. No, this should be called Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift because it delivers on everything that it promises fast five it's a it's a great action movie is it a fast and the furious movie not really no i mean you get the characters from the first movie again reunited and then you know a couple of other people that have tagged along since but this is straight up a movie about crime and street racing i mean the the main character moves to tokyo because his dad lives there and he can avoid the crimes that he has done in the United States. So it's like a win-win scenario. But then he gets involved with a street racing gang that the Yakuza are after. So now you have two gangs and the law all chasing after this main dude while he's just driving cars. He pimps out like a 1967 Mustang and is able to drift it. This honestly has the best cars out of the whole franchise. The whole car? Yes. The, the music's good. The setting is cool. I think a lot of these movies, like like uh, the like we were just talking about, the safe sequence in Rio in Fast Five, it's pretty epic. I like that these movies hop around location all the time. They're globe trotting spy thrillers at this point. Like they're all <laughs> over the place. But I don't think they've had a setting as good as Tokyo. 
I don't think they've had an atmosphere as cool as Tokyo. The only thing that comes close for me is is Rio in Fast Five and Miami in Too Fast, Too Furious. That's why uh, that's why in Jumper they jump to Tokyo and then run into cars right away. Yeah, the car scene in Japan is crazy. And that's also where the best music in that movie shows up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tokyo Drift, like, it feels like you're a kid playing with your Hot Wheels. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like those uh, in Pixar's cars, those cars in the beginning that get the truck to fall asleep. <laughs> it's like those guys but a whole <laughs> yeah it's like those guys but a whole movie <laughs> but yeah i think the movie is really entertaining uh i was just uh re-watching it and uh it's cool that they this is only the third movie in and they really tried to do something like totally different like we're not gonna have like vin diesel or paul walker in this it's gonna be set in a totally different country that is until the end you want to talk about something that predates the mcu in terms of like hype crossover moments you just watched an entire 90 minute movie about like some random characters that you have never seen before and then when dominic shows up at the end of this movie it is literally like a stand up and clap moment <laughs> like I, I stood up and clapped i was in my living room i didn't watch this in a theater but like it's it's hype because he uh, Vin Diesel was not in Too Fast, Too Furious. Yeah. You were expecting like, oh, you know, Paul Walker might show up at the end of this movie. No, it's the guy that you thought was out of this franchise for good. And he's he just shows up. And again, I think a lot of what makes the Fast and the Furious movie movies work is like the direction. I think the best movies have been made by Justin Lin. And this is the first one that he did, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a reason why it is as good as it is. James Wan doing Furious 7 was cool, but the direction does not match that of Fast Five or Tokyo Drift to me at all. If there's anyone on this planet that understands what the Fast and the Furious movies are about, it's definitely Justin Lin. Absolutely. I think his first movie deserves the, deserves the title here because he's coming back and doing Fast 9, and then guess what? I'm telling you what, it probably won't be in the bottom three on my list. The impact from both of these movies, Fast 5 changed the course of the franchise. Tokyo Drift has a cultural impact outside of the movie, even for people who have never even seen it. Oh, Justin Lin directed Tokyo Drift, Fast and Furious, Fast Five, and Fast and Furious 6. And, uh, yeah, he's coming back for Fast 9 and Fast 10. He's finishing the main series. Yep, he's gonna see it out. If I can bring up one more point, um, Hobbs and Shaw, I mean, it was the first official spinoff of these movies. It's called Fast and Furious Presents uh Hobbs and Shaw it's it's labeled itself as a spin-off it's going to get a sequel there's probably going to be more spin-offs coming down the line as this franchise finishes out um but i think that Tokyo Drift functions the best as a spin-off i think it functions better than Hobbs and Shaw does as its own dissociated movie it wasn't until after this movie gained the cult following that it did where they really felt the need to tie it in i mean obviously dom shows up at the end of the movie but i think that was just to get people excited for the fact that dom's gonna be in the next movie that vin diesel's coming back i don't think it had anything to do with oh this is like actually like you know han's gonna be in you know the next three movies like I think that was kind of more of an afterthought. Like, I don't think that uh, they absolutely um, like needed to, to connect this to everything. And I think if they're going to move forward with this franchise, I want to see more movies like Tokyo Drift. G give me a movie set in Barcelona about street racing. Go to different parts of the of the world and give us a taste and a slice of life of what is going on in their car scene and i would i would love that i agree with you you've swayed me on this there it is no way i, th I think you i think you did it 
Woo! Tokyo Drifts in the final bracket at the end of the year. Honestly, good. Oh my god. Oh, that's going pretty far. Since about halfway through this list, I've had the song stuck in my head. Tokyo Drift going up against the social network. <laughs> oh no. Don't trust his lies. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything more that we can say about Fast Five that we haven't already? I hate to just blow off the fan favorite at number two. I think out of all the over t- over the top like action pieces that they have, I'm pretty sure, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is the most practical effects out of the rest of the franchise. Um, yeah, I think the the all there's no CGI cars in the first three movies, but I'm talking like post Fast Five after Shark Jump like this is the best uh dynamic between vin diesel and paul walker's characters since the first movie i think i really um yeah i really buy that these guys care about each other now and uh this is if in point break if uh keanu reeves and patrick swayze's characters johnny utah and bodie could have been friends after this uh it very well could have been uh, how the ending of Fast Five goes. Yeah, it's it's quite the bromance. And Furious 7 was, of course, the big one where it's all about family. But I think Fast Five did kind of start that because it was the first, like, ensemble cast. I mean, it was really bringing in everyone from all the movies. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, yeah, even the spinoff people from Too Fast, Too Furious. You got Han from Tokyo Drift. Like, yeah, it, it brings in everyone. It's the Avengers Endgame of the Fast and the Furious movies so far. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, it's weird. Like, it was in 2011 so this was a year before like the avengers and they kind of stumbled into this connecting movies thing that we didn't really see before guys it's the 10th anniversary of fast five whoa it is do you feel old yet wow fast five was the first fast and the furious movie i saw oh really yeah i didn't really grow up with too many of these i uh had friends that really liked the first uh three fast and the furious movies but i went and saw fast five in theaters just because it was playing at like the small theater near me and then, uh, yeah, no, I, I really, I really liked the movie. So then I went back and watched the older ones and, uh, I don't know. Tokyo Drift has always been a standout to me. That's the one that I'll just throw on. Like, that's the one I've seen the most out of all of these. And it comes down to runtime too. Like after Fast Five, they thought these needed to be like two hour, 20 minute long, like superhero movies, like in terms of length, like Tokyo Drift, you're in and out in like 90 minutes, then you've got credits and then the the Vin Diesel cameo. Like, <laughs> you know, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It, it gives you cool cars, a couple action sequences and good music. That's all you really need. It's a very interesting franchise that I that's been like it's kind of crazy how long it's been going on. 20 years. These movies have been around as long as us. Yeah, just about. <laughs> yeah it's gonna be weird when they're like done making these like i don't know if that's happening anytime soon i think we've probably got about a decade more of uh fast and the furious movies with the sequel that's yet to come out and then uh the spinoffs i think we've, we've we're probably gonna see one of these come out in 2028 2029 there might be a full-on reboot in like 20 years too who knows and then we're like in our 50s and uh you're talking about the significance of tokyo drift <laughs> i mean i feel like the effects from tokyo drift will still be felt when we're in our 70s what do you mean like like the culture surrounding it uh yeah and more specifically there's no way that tokyo drift from teriyaki boys is going to be dead by then oh yeah good point I mean, we ended up with some some spicy takes, I think. All three Fast and the Furious movies, the original ones, showing up in the top five. 
That's a hot take. Yeah. Fast Five being at number two is a hot take. I, I think this is a pretty pretty good episode. Pretty spicy list. Yeah, this list was full of surprises. This episode's running a little short. Uh, we've watched some trailers and shared some opinions today in the group chat. So uh, I think we should go back on some of those. Uh, Space Jam, right? I think there's something before Space Jam. Going way back, actually, the Anthony Bourdain documentary looks really good. Oh, yes, it does. Uh, it's called Roadrunner the uh the story behind anthony bourdain i think that is going to be fantastic from the same people who brought you won't you be my neighbor um it's it's gonna pull at the heartstrings i know that for a fact yeah especially uh how his life tragically ended i don't know how much they'll dive into that but i'm sure that's uh it's it's definitely getting touched on they don't mention it at all in the trailer which i thought was kind of surprising but I have a hunch people who don't know who Anthony Bourdain is or don't know about his unfortunate passing, I think they're going to go into that movie expecting it to be like a celebration. Because you, you look at the video, you look at that trailer, and you don't get any indication that the main character is not still alive. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't know who Anthony Bourdain is, the footage that they have of him is so cinematic and so high quality. And then everyone's talking about him in past tense, but... That could simply just be he's off the grid, he's off the radar. Like, I thought the way that that trailer was cut together was phenomenal. I'm not going to watch or read any more about it until I can see it myself. Uh, I think it comes out July 16th or something like that. Oh, so it's coming up soon. Yeah, it's out next month. I think it did like a small little festival run and then it's getting a wide release. And uh, Space Jam. Space Jam 2. A new legacy. We got a second trailer today. Um... That happened. At least we know more of what it's going to be like. I did get a better feeling for the tone, yeah. It's going to... You got, like, all the Looney Tunes and, like, their CGI and probably should have known that was that was expected in this day and age, but it's just weird. I don't know. It's And then, it like, I don't know. There's, like, questions in my mind where, like, when LeBron goes into Looney Tunes world and turns into a cartoon, I'm like, well, how come that didn't happen to Michael Jordan? Um, <laughs> oh, you're worried about the science behind. You're a cinema sins type guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, how is this gonna like? Th- I I wonder, does this connect the Space Jam? Like, are these movies canon, or are they just gonna completely ignore the events of Space Jam? Is Newman in this? I I have questions. I don't think Wayne Knight is gonna be in this movie. Um, it would be really epic if him and Bill Murray show up. I'm willing to bet that Michael Jordan does show up though. That would be funny. I don't know. Michael Jordan's so. Like, I, the last jan- dance just happened, but beyond that, he's not really in, like, media anymore. Like, he's the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. I, I'm sure he's busy doing that, but, yeah, he's he's not, like, a... He's never, like, an on-camera personality anymore. For the right amount of money, and this is a sequel to a movie that he was in that was a big cash grab when it came out, I would be very surprised if he does not show up somewhere in the movie and give everyone the the water again. Like, the, the, the super serum juice that is literally just water. Apparently all the Looney Tunes have been dehydrated. <laughs> Alden, any thoughts on Don Cheadle? Oh, God, he's incredible. I think he's going to make or break that movie. I really do. (laughs) I think he's going to be the funniest part of the movie. I don't think so. I think they're going to fold with all the Looney Tunes characters, and I don't think LeBron 
is going to be good on screen at all. I have to say this trailer was much better than the first one. I like that it wasn't just, uh, hey, we're Warner Brothers. Look at all the cool properties we have. Ready Player One type shit. It was a little bit more reserved, a little more focused on the tunes. And I think that's what they just, I hope that's the tone of the movie. If we get an hour of good Looney Tunes moments, I think we'll be fine. I don't, I do not think we're going to see the tunes come into like the real world like i don't think we're getting any looney tunes back in action type moments even the scene in space jam the first one they sneak into the house and have to get his sneakers like that was cool to see as a kid but i don't think we're seeing any of that this time around the only thing that's missing is i know like um like current nba players like anthony davis damian lillard i think are both in it so they have a group of nba players that are in this movie i don't know if they're going to do the same plot where they lose their basketball skills again or something um i'm interested of how they're gonna be introduced uh in this movie are they not playing the villain ones the goon squad maybe they haven't really shown who they're facing if i'm not mistaken yeah we had a few like it was brief yeah they showed them off quite a bit in the first trailer they show you the whole opposing team i don't even remember i they don't i don't remember it being like they look like Fortnite characters uh-oh. Uh, speaking of which, if you're in our Discord, uh, it's just straight up turned into t- conversations about Fortnite in general. So um, if you like talking about Fortnite, definitely check out the Duel of the Takes Discord. It's linked below. Um, yeah, you can come in here. We have a Hot Takes channel. Uh, you can feel like you're a member of the show, really. You can just, out of nowhere, share your opinion on whatever. Um, keep it to pop culture and movies, please. But, you know, you don't have to. um do we want to cast some predictions on uh the mcu the rest of the year we still have four marvel movies coming out we are halfway through the year right now i can't believe it we are halfway through the year and uh we have not gotten a single marvel movie still but there are four yet to come out this year with the lack of marvel movies the past year i i really thought maybe marvel movies financially were going to take a dive um like black widow potentially but then I see the popularity of just WandaVision alone, like this this random Disney Plus show, uh, actually has a huge fan base and a following where people uh, love Wanda now. That, and like people are into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The Loki show premiered, I think, today, or I think it premiered today, right? I think it premieres, yeah, tonight, right? No, it was today. I've already watched the first episode. I think it's on Disney Plus right now. It's, yeah, it's a good start. I like that Owen Wilson's in it. I might watch it just because he's there. Owen Wilson's character's really, so far, so good. Okay. With people actually, like, still really excited for those, uh, Black Widow's probably still gonna make a lot of money yeah i don't think it'll make as much as it would have but it's still definitely making a profit josh works at a movie theater currently the excitement of people to just go back to see something is absolutely ridiculous right now yeah the movies that are out are not good there's i mean like spiral did pretty well conjuring 3 it was not great and it's doing pretty well financially all things considered um people want to be back in theaters i think uh my prediction here is black widow is going to make more money than i think they were anticipating and with its initial release uh it was supposed to be what april 2020 yeah it was over a year and a half ago it was supposed to be april 2020 i think it's going to make more money now than it would have then simply because these streaming service shows have come out uh wandavision hype was everywhere i could not avoid it on on tiktok on twitter even instagram like people really 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 liked wandavision 
I don't think that same sentiment carried over to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't know if it was just the structure of the show, if its writing just wasn't up to snuff, or if it was too much of a transition, because it very much feels like they're trying to get these two characters in uh, uh, Sam and Bucky, they're trying to transition them from being sidekicks into the main staple heroes for Captain America 4. And so you kind of have to do a lot of exposition and have a whole story there to, to make that happen. People are talking about Loki like people were talking about WandaVision early or late last year. I have no doubt in my mind that uh, Black Widow is going to actually make more money now than it would have a year and a half ago. feel like in terms of these shows... I think it's going to make a... I think it's going to be the first movie to make a billion dollars in 2021. In terms of the shows, I think Loki is going to be stronger not fast nine probably not by fan base because i don't know how they like things but it's going to be better than the other two shows just judging by the first episode wow so and wilson would say wow <laughs> i think if they continue like this and they don't screw it up somewhere it should be pretty good i just find it hard to care about these characters that i feel like to me like their arcs are already over i mean loki we've seen so much of um and then an Endgame, Black Widow's, uh, her arc's pretty much done. I just, I don't know. Like, I def I'm definitely, if I had to, like, watch a Marvel movie this year, it's probably uh, something like The Eternals, because at least it's something else. They're, like, expanding on the future and not the past. Out of the movies coming out, I don't want to see... Yeah, I don't want to see the Eternals. I think Eternals looks boring and pretentious. I think Shang-Chi looks the most uh, interesting mm -hmm. out of the four movies. If I see any of the four movies, it's going to be, in, in theaters at least, it's going to be Shang-Chi. Yeah. I don't care about the new Spider-Man movie. I don't care how many villains they put together from previous movies with the current director. I mean, like, why is Sam Raimi doing Doctor Strange 2 and not Spider-Man 3? Yeah. Riddle me that, Batman. Because honestly, like, with better direction, you know, I'd be interested to see Alfred Molina and, and supposedly Willem Dafoe and Jamie Foxx coming back and playing some Spider-Man villains. Um, I would. I think that it's time Tom Holland becomes his own character in these Spider-Man movies because he still has had two whole movies where he's just riding off of association with Iron Man, which is the worst possible thing you can do to set up the most marketable superhero in a franchise. I, I don't care about Spider-Man 3. I'm sure people will. I think it'll be even worse than Far From Home. That's my prediction. That's the Marvel. It's a third Spider-Man movie. It's always the third one. They're adding as many villains as they possibly can. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> I don't know what this movie's going to be. I think there was a quote from Tom Holland where he said this is the most ambitious, like, standalone superhero movie ever but can you even count it as a standalone movie if it's all these crossovers like i don't even know what to call this i'm worried i mean the, the most recent uh, mcu movie we've gotten was a spider-man movie to to this date still yeah and it wasn't good i really don't know that movie's just a big question mark to me right now i'm kind of waiting on a trailer we should probably begin one soon right if that movie's coming out in december i think it's really weird how movie culture has gone so far this year i mean obviously a lot of things are up in the air um with hbo max's distribution model for warner brothers movies uh things are kind of weird there's been multiple movies this year that did not get a trailer until the week before release uh conjuring 3 is an example spiral was pretty pretty close to being like right before it came out 
I'm trying to think. There was a there's another pretty notable. Oh, the um the Angelina Jolie uh Those Who Wish Me Dead. That trailer dropped 5 days before the movie was out in theaters and on HBO Max. Yeah, I didn't even know that movie like existed until like it was out. Yeah, same. Yeah, and it's it's uh written and directed by the guy who did Hell or High Water, which is one of my favorite movies. The guy who wrote Sicario, the guy who wrote Prisoners. I mean, a very very talented screenwriter is behind that movie. So, it's one I want to see, but I feel like we're not getting a heads up on too much right now. We sort of got like a, a Shang-Chi teaser, we got an Eternals teaser. We still don't know what the plots of those movies are going to be um at all. Yeah, it's, they keep calling them like teasers, but they feel like full like trailers to me. Well, when they're t- Two minutes long or longer, yeah, they are full trailers. It's weird, too, because I feel like we just got to have an era where, like, there were trailers were showing too much, and now we're, like, in this teaser era that are kind of as long as a trailer, but they don't give out too much anymore. It's... When it comes to trailers, we're in a weird, like, era right now. Like, starting, I guess, in 2018, they were just showing the entire film. No, I'd before that. The Batman v Superman trailers. Oh, I didn't even watch them. Uh, the Fast 9 trailer on the topic of today's episode. I mean, dude, I feel like I watched that whole... I watched that whole movie in that trailer. It's like 3 minutes and 20 seconds long or something like that. I, I was like, dude, you just revealed your, like, finale in this movie. Like, the characters that are coming back show up in the trailer. I'm like, whoa. This character hasn't been in a movie in three movies, and now he's back, and you're showing this off in the trailer? I, um... Yeah, but Josh, you you said you said earlier when I predicted that Black Widow will be the first movie to make a billion dollars since the pandemic or since the start of the pandemic. Uh, Fast Nine, I think, is going to come really close. I do. Yeah, I, it it might beat it to the punch. I just think it's going to be one of those things where it's more of a slower burn. And Disney, in the way that they crunch their numbers and do their box office reporting, uh, this movie's guaranteed to make a billion dollars. I'd be willing to uh, place a bet on it, actually. I'm not going to because I don't have a gambling problem yet. (laughs) I'd be willing to place a bet that uh, a movie that should have come out in 2011, now 10 years late, is going to make a billion (laughs) dollars. And I'm not seeing it in theaters. Don't ask me to, Josh. I, I refuse. We'll see about that. (laughs) <laughs> life uh finds a way she's dead what are you talking about maybe maybe unless we learn that she has a way to revive herself or something in this movie and then she's showing up in avengers 5 if anything i could see like uh florence Pugh's character uh becoming the next black widow i guess or something in like the next avengers movie i don't know i don't see that unless they introduce other avengers which maybe hawkeye's in this i why would they ca- why would they cast why would they cast Florence Pugh though? Then, like they they casted, uh, like an act like an actress that has been in some great movies these past couple of years. This feels like the Mar. This is the usual Marvel thing. Is what they do is they get these actors and uh, they have like these like ten year plans for them. I mean, yeah, but then you have like some others where they just don't do anything, like Jeff Goldblum. They just used him in one movie, and he will probably not show up again. Jeff Jeff Goldblum Jeff Goldblum is not a young and upcoming actor, Alden. No, but he's a big name. <laughs> he's been a big name for like thirty years. He doesn't need the MCU. I would argue that Florence Pugh certainly doesn't need the MCU either. She she does not need the MCU. Scarlett Johansson didn't need the MCU. Right, right, right. And I think that's what Josh is saying, though. Is there a younger actor who? has potential and longevity to be in several movies if they need them to be. 
I think uh, I don't know. I, I the the rumor and the speculation that I'm seeing from fans, which granted they thought Mephisto was going to be the villain of Wandavision, so yeah, no. <laughs> this same crowd is saying that they're setting up a Young Avengers. Um, I mean, we've got a Hawkeye show that's going to have the the protege, the the new young Hawkeye, who I believe is being played by Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, should be. If I read that correctly, I think they set someone up in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I don't know. I watched episode three exclusively of that show. well falcon himself is the captain america now right so he'll just be there i guess did you guys see the uh poster that they revealed for dr strange multiverse of madness because miss marvel's on there oh yeah i don't think i did yeah all the marvels are going to be in the same movie yeah i was about to say captain marvel 2 is now the marvels right i don't know i feel like they're probably setting up like a, a younger second wave of avengers um to completely spoil uh, Loki or whatever, I think they're setting up the multiverse stuff with the show. Sounds like that's what they're trying to do. I don't know. This is uh, this is a weird uh, this is a weird phase. In Fast and the Furious Ten, do you think the family is going to be able to take? Thanos. I don't think this rumor was real, but did you hear about the Fast and Furious and Jurassic World crossover? <laughs> that would be so ridiculous. I'd love that. That's probably not real. I, I do want that. I don't even know how they They're both universal properties. It could happen. <laughs> that would need that would need to be a multiverse thing. The ending of I, wait, this is how it could work, I guess. So the ending of Jurassic World 2, right? Has like dinosaurs, like they're now free in the world. Like it's an actual Jurassic World now right so like imagine like <laughs> like vin diesel like driving around and all of a sudden like a raptor like falls on his car if they did it that's exactly how it would happen he'd be driving down the road and a raptor would just cut him off that that could enter an entire like dwayne the rock johnson like cinematic universe i mean rampage he can communicate <laughs> with kaiju through sign language i mean this could open a lot of doors is is are we gonna see Dwayne the Rock Johnson riding the T-Rex from Jurassic World? Oh my imagine. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> With George the Gorilla behind him. Oh, and we also Alden, you brought this up yesterday. The, the they're bringing back Crypto the Superdog, and he's being voiced by Dwayne the Rock Johnson in a uh, DC animated movie coming out next May. And I think Kevin Hart's gonna be Ace, which is whatever, but he's back. Was he was he gone? <laughs> he the nothing nothing like has been written like released at all with the characters since the show in the early 2000s yeah i think it's been airing on boomerang and that's probably the most you get (laughs) i think we'll leave it at that guys thank you everyone any anyone in the audience who's uh who's sticking around for our show we are going through a bit of a transition period now as the uh youtube channel indicates but uh things are looking up we've still got high quality podcast episodes coming out every single week on thursdays so thank you everyone for for sticking with us what's your favorite fast and the furious movie if you're watching along if you're on youtube specifically uh leave us a comment we want to we want to know your list is tokyo drift one of the worst like uh rotten tomatoes indicates like screen rant indicates like every other publication that i've seen talk about these movies indicates or is it Secret Kino? Is Too Fast, Too Furious your favorite? If you, if it is, you're based. <laughs> <laughs> is there a correlation between Grand Theft Auto games and Fast and the Furious? When did uh, 
the GTA Vice City game come out? 2003, I think. So it was after it was after Too Fast, Too Furious. It's like the same year, I think. That's interesting. 2002. Oh, okay. Okay. So they were in production at the same time. That make that makes more sense because it's like, man, when I watch Too Fast, Too Furious, that's definitely like got like the same energy. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Duel of the Takes. Next week, Julie Hardy, the founder of Sad Eyes, will be joining us for a conspiracy-filled Independence Day special. And remember, if I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.